It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light. Logan Couture wins it in overtime. Now, now, here's your host, Ted Ramey. Dump is in deep, actually. One-on-one -on -one against Ferraro, who bodies him up. But he kept it going with Krause's help around the far side. And how about Eklund with that body positioning over there against a much bigger Bukestad? Won that puck, and he chips it out to center. And here comes Cunning down the right wing. Across the line. Drop pass Eklund. Goes back to Cunning. In front save. Rebound. Scar! William Eklund made that whole play. He gets the rebound and bangs it home to tie it up 1-1 at 740 of the third. After video review, it was determined that there was goaltender interference. Therefore, we have no goal. Well, we knew that watching both of them on replay, there was a chance they wouldn't get overturned. You just never know. It's tough to predict. But, you know, like you said, we didn't get deflated. We kept playing. And, you know, it was just one of those nights. We just didn't have it, you know. And we were just talking in the coach's room. You know, it's one of those nights where you don't have all your energy and you can just feel there wasn't a lot of energy in the locker room before the game. And, and to manage to just kind of hang around, you know, it was... Uh, I think it's another example of our progress because I think a month ago, if we had this type of energy, it, we wouldn't have been in the situation we're in by the end of the game. So disappointing we lost. Our PK was good. We didn't draw a penalty, which was disappointing. Um, but again, you know, we, we hung around, had a chance to tie it. All right. Good morning, everyone, and welcome. I hope you're all having a lovely Saturday morning as we look back at the Sharks' one nothing loss to Arizona and a frustrating game for lack of a better term, just because that's all I felt throughout the game. It was just frustration over and over and over. It's the first one nothing loss of the year for the Sharks. It's their fifth road shutout of the year, which is something to pay attention to because that lack of offensive ability maybe isn't entirely out of their game on the road. You want to make sure that you are able to get back what you did previously on that 3-2-1 six-game road trip that they are just coming off of. But I think there was a concern for me, and I'm still excited for what the Sharks do on Sunday against the Avs, but I am still excited for the Sharks, clearly. But I was also worried about the prospect of a letdown gain. And I'll be honest, after a six-game road trip and you go 3-2-1, and one, I was kind of expecting it to happen on Tuesday this past week against Winnipeg. That was the classic recipe for the letdown game where you've taken care of business on the road, you're coming home before you go right back out on the road and you're facing a Winnipeg team that up to this point of the year has been pretty good. Like that, if it was going to happen, that's where I thought you were going to have your issues. Um, but the Sharks played a good game that night and were able to get a 2-1 win. Offense cooled down, but obviously they didn't bleed goals like they did uh, in the road trip they just come off of where they were giving up, I mean, just goal after goal after goal. They gave up three to Boston, three to the Devils, six to the Rangers, four to the Islanders, five to Detroit, and then five by way of the shootout, but really four against Vegas. So that was a, a, a lot of goals they were giving up. And now in two consecutive games, they've only given up two goals combined. They give up one 
to Winnipeg and lost, and they gave up one to Arizona. Uh, excuse me, they gave up one to Winnipeg and won, and one to Arizona and lost. And I often talk about this. If you've only given up one goal entering the third period, whether you are at home or away, that should be a winnable game for a good team in the NHL. If you're a great team, it's almost a slam dunk. If you're where the Sharks are, uh, a rebuilding team that I would not classify as good and certainly not great, uh, anything can happen. And the Sharks uh, did not find the back of the net. Now, there is some controversy surrounding that, and I find the NHL's lack of consistency regarding the rules of what we see over and over again with goalie interference uh, is frustrating because I didn't think that by the letter of the law that was goalie interference, but that's my issue. You don't know what it is going to be this day, and I think that the NHL needs to clarify that rule uh, to make it uh, just that much more cut and dry. And I know that there is always going to be some discretion involved. You're going to have to take things uh, on their individual merits. Um, but on that play, and I'm not just saying this through teal-tinted lenses, which is always a risk, but it just didn't look like the goalie was interfered with in, in doing his job. It seemed like he reached out and initiated contact. And I, I know it's in the crease, so you can go by that by that letter of the law. But at the same time, I've seen many, many plays where that wasn't called. And I think that maybe part of the issue is it's not challenged more because coaches don't want to risk going on the kill right after and giving the other team an opportunity to go up even more. Um, and so maybe it's not challenged as often as it should be. And I think that's probably because people don't know what the rule is exactly. And I compare this to the NFL, and I know we could talk about pass interference and the differences there, but I do think that when we watch the NFL and you see a challenge, it seems like everybody on TV the broadcasters, the fans at home, everybody has an idea, pretty good idea, you know, uh, what the call is going to be when they're challenging something, or at least a fairly clear idea. With goalie interference, I mean, it gets it gets stranger each and every time. Now, the flip side of this is I'm not blaming the officials for what happened to the Sharks last night. The Sharks did not take care of their business. They were flat. They did not get enough shots off. They did not have enough um, offensive zone possession time. They did not look creative enough. And you heard David Quinn talking about it on the way in. They were flat. And it's unfortunate because you wasted a really good performance from your defense and from your goalie. And the Sharks are going to get deeper into this year and they're going to continue dealing with injuries and they're going to continue dealing with all the many things that they have continued to deal with. And wins, are, they're going to be hard to come by. Like, I love the fact that the Sharks have been winning and have been playing better but that doesn't mean that's going to be consistently the narrative. That doesn't mean that it's just going to be, you know, a, a cruise from here on out. I know that people are excited that the Sharks are back, um, you know, from the dead. But at the same time, I believe it was Curtis Pichelka that said they would have to win at above a 600 clip for the rest of the year to get into the 90-point range to get into the playoffs. And I honestly do not expect that to happen. I'm not against it happening, but I'm not expecting it at this point. And wins are still going to be hard to come by for the San Jose Sharks. And they'll have stretches where they play well. Uh, but road wins in particular. You had a chance to improve your last seven games on the road to 4-2-1, and one, and you only gave up one goal. Like That's a winnable game nine times out of ten. Uh, but unfortunately for the Sharks, they were unable to get it done. They were unable to find really that little bit of uh, extra pep in their step. And I do think that you know that, that letdown game narrative for me holds true a lot of the way. Like They just didn't look like they had a great amount of energy. They didn't look like they had... Overall, just the the greatest night offensively. Um, and obviously, you can blame some of that maybe on the lineup changes and Sturm going out. But the Sharks did a lot of good work. I mean, they gave up one goal in the second period, 
And in during that second period, they had two kills. During the third period, they had two kills. There were some instances in which I wish the Sharks had drawn a power play, uh, but that's not the way it went down. Um, so, you know, you needed to be that much better. And the Sharks kept on coming. They created those chances. But you have two disallowed goals. That's that's the way it's going to go. And they got outshot 24-21. 21 shots on goal on the road, probably not going to do it. And face-offs, they got a little bit worked. Uh, 35-21. They did not draw any power plays versus the four that were drawn by the Coyotes. Um, they spent, obviously, much more time in the box. And that's just... That's not enough to win on the road. I wish that the Sharks were a good enough team to where they could play at that low of a level. And I don't mean bad. It was not a bad game by the Sharks by any way, shape, or form. It just wasn't a particularly spicy night for them. The Sharks need to have a little bit more of that energy. They need to have a little bit more of that vigor, that boldness, that overall ability to go out there and outwork the opposition. Something we talked about with the hockey guy, and you're going to hear a little bit from that interview later in this episode. But, you know, the Sharks, if we go back and look at the road trip they just had, they were definitely making the opposition work extremely hard. And they did a decent job of making Arizona work hard last night because uh, I don't think Arizona ever got comfortable in that game and they didn't look like they were playing their best hockey by any way, shape, or form. But, you know, now you get back into this back and forth of what's better for the Sharks. You're getting tight defensive games in two in a row. You've only allowed two goals, but you've only scored two goals and you've won one and lost one. Now, you look back at the road trip in which they were giving up a lot more goals, but they were scoring many, many more goals, playing a little bit more wide open, and you don't see the same results. So, you know, I know David Quinn wants the team to be better overall, and you have to be better defensively versus what we saw on the road trip, uh, but right now, the results through the two games, it's like they played good defense in one game and their offense wasn't there. They played good defense in the most recent game and had no offense at all. And now they're going up into a very, very stark challenge against the Avalanche on Sunday, of which I'm not putting anything past the Sharks. As good as the Avs are, the Sharks have shown the ability this year to beat uh, really, really good teams out there on the on the road and overall. In fact, a stat that I saw from our good friend Darren Stevens said that the Sharks' winning percentage against uh, the teams they have beat, uh, it's the highest uh, in the NHL this season. So they've been able to beat good teams. That's that's not uh, it shouldn't come as a shock to you looking at some of the teams they have beat. But you know it's it's on the road against the Abs. Then you're back home against L.A. Then you are back home against Arizona. So that's L.A. is going to be a tough challenge. Arizona is going to be a tough challenge. And then you go out onto the road and you take on Vancouver, and that's going to be a tough game as well. Then you're back home against L.A. on the 27th. Then on the 28th, you're hosting Edmonton before you go back out to Air, excuse me, to uh, the Avs to take them off to finish the calendar year of 2023. And then you're back at it with a three-game homestand, hosting Detroit, hosting Winnipeg, and hosting Toronto to start off that, uh, that month of January. And it doesn't get any easier. They go out onto the road for five. Uh, they are going to be at Toronto. That's going to be a tough game at Montreal, at Ottawa, at Buffalo, at Chicago before they're home against the Ducks. That's one I'm really intrigued to see, actually, because the Ducks, the way their uh, season has gone lately, I, I really want to see what the Sharks do against them. Then you've got L.A., and you're home against the Rangers, home against Buffalo, home against Seattle, and then you're back out onto the road against Anaheim to finish January. So a, a lot going on you know, with the San Jose Sharks. Then you get into the All-Star break. Things are going to quiet down for a bit. So I'll be very, very curious to see uh, what the Sharks can do going forward. And a lot of games coming up are against very good teams. And the Sharks, 
for these wins to get racked up, you need to beat the games or you need to beat teams like last night. You would need to win the games like last night because the season just doesn't get any easier, right? Like it doesn't get suddenly where the Sharks get into this stretch that's, uh, oh, here's where they're going to rattle off nine out of ten. Like, no, it's not going to work that way. The Sharks at their best this year are going to be around 500, uh, a stretch of six games where they're three, two, and one like we saw on the road trip. I hope that that wasn't the Sharks' high point of the season, granted, and then coming home with the one win against Winnipeg, um, but it just goes to show you how difficult wins are going to be. Um, I do think it brings up the questions of goalie situations for the Sharks. I, I think that a lot of us are going to look at you know the trade deadline, and right now in Mackenzie Blackwood and Kapo Kakinen, you've got two really good goalies who are having good performances night after night after night. And yeah, they're going to have their bad performances um, you know, at any moment because that's always possible. And I know it's always easy to blame the goalie and not the defensive breakdowns because it's easier to look at the last thing in the play that happens. Um, but you know, the Sharks are entering a period where it's unlikely that they're going to thrust themselves back into the playoff situation and teams are going to come calling and they're going to come asking about Kapo Kakinen. They're going to come asking about Mackenzie Blackwood. And to me, this is a good problem to have, right? Like you want to be able to acquire uh, any sort of draft capital players for the future. Um, I, I don't know what Mike Greer is going to be looking at this offseason in terms of taking on some bad contracts in order to get more draft capital um, and more players for the future. It's all part of what the Sharks are going through right now. And while we got excited on a six-game road trip that the Sharks were maybe getting a little bit ahead of schedule, it's also got to be taken into consideration that just getting into the playoffs is not the ultimate goal for this team or for Mike Greer. They want to make themselves a team that is here to be a contender um, sooner rather than later and you know, hopefully as quickly as possible. But it's not just about the getting back into the playoffs. It's about setting themselves up for long-term success. And one of the quotes I go back to um, was from Curtis Pashelka, who when the Sharks were playing the Devils, he talked about all the you know top 10 picks they'd had in the last couple of years, multiple number ones, multiple top sixes, top tens. You know, this is... That's how you go about doing it. You you go through a bad period. You have to acquire these picks. You have to acquire these players. You got to take on the bad contracts. You've got to rework your deals, and you've got to give yourselves a chance to compete uh, going into the future. And I think for the most part, Mike Greer has done a really good job of that. I can't point to anything that's gone down that I have a specific problem with. The only issue now is that you know if fans get their hopes up and then you trade off a Duclair, a Hoffman, a Granlin, etc. Uh, how guys react to that. Not that these guys haven't been good sharks and played well, but you have to start asking yourself the question of who's going to be here for the long term, who's going to be here for the short term, term who's going to be here um, in you know one, two, three years when the sharks start moving back into that what we hope is a window of true contention again um, because it takes a while. It's not like there's any overnight recipe for success in the NHL. So a, a missed opportunity last night for the sharks um, and right now, you have to start looking at where this team is going to be a month from now, two months from now, when we do start approaching that trade deadline. Um, I do look at the goalies. I look at Hoffman. I look at Declare. I look at Granlund. I also look at the fact that, you know, that it seemed like we had a good crowd against Winnipeg the other night. Coming off a, a, a strong showing, a strong road trip, and a lot of good quality recent play for the Sharks. If you win, people will come. I'm not trying to get too cheesy here, but people don't want to show up to watch a losing team. If you're a winning team, yeah, people are going to show up. They're going to want to see your product. They're going to want to see everything you have to bring. So right now, the Sharks, they're missing an opportunity to get a win in last night's game, 
Uh, but there's still probably a way out from being a playoff team, at least at this point of the season. We're going to take a break. On the other side, we are going to get into more post-game sound. Plus, you're going to hear from the hockey guy. You're on Morning Tide, presented by Coors Light on the Sharks Audio Network. That to-do list you have needs one more thing. Chill. It's an easy thing to do. Just crack open an ice-cold Coors Light and chill. Take the afternoon off and binge-watch anything. Go to happy hour and stay for a couple hours. Who's counting anyways? Or hang out with just your dog because you've had enough human interaction this week. Whatever you do, do it with a Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Welcome back to Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light. Grantland gets the draw to Duclair. He's out quickly to center ice, makes the move himself across the line, couldn't get around Dumbas check. But it's recovered by Burroughs at the red line, knocked it forward, taken back by Zetterlin, moving into his right, checked there by Moser, taking it back, Grandlin stick handles, he shoots, he scores! A spectacular tying goal by Mikhail Grandlin with 3.59 to play in the third. Sharks won, Coyotes won. After Arizona's challenge for offside, the play was determined to be offside, no goal. And not much more. We just were a half a step. I mean, it's so, there's such a fine line between playing fast and not in this league, and it's almost a snap of a finger. And we just were a half a step slow everywhere tonight. And it just, uh, but again, you know, a month ago, we wouldn't have been in this position. You know, we were able to manage a game where we didn't have our energy, and, you know, we almost tied it there late in the game and, you know, had a couple goals waved off that, you know, we can understand why, but also, you know, both of those could have been counted. So, you know. Disappointed, but you know, not going to let it get in the way of our next game. As head coach David Quinn bringing us back in on a Saturday morning here on Morning Tide, talking about uh, what I feel was a pretty clear point, and that was the fact that you know a month ago, uh, you know a little bit more than a month ago, this is a game that gets away from the Sharks when they have those moments of deflation where they don't have great energy. Instead, they were able to fight back and make it a fairly competitive game. And I think that's something that, you know, should be seen as growth. Even in the midst of losing for the San Jose Sharks, it's the way they are losing. If we go back to road losses in the month of November before they started playing much, much better, you know, 5 nothing to Vegas, 4-1 to Anaheim, 3-1 to a Vancouver team, 7-1 to Seattle. Um, then, you know, a three, nothing to Boston. And since that point, it's all been pretty much one goal games. Um, and obviously you were letting up a lot of goals on the road, but you know, they have not let these games get away from them. They have been in them. Even the shootout loss they had to Vegas, they still came back from a four, two deficit, uh, to make that game worthy of a point for them. Uh, so it, it'll be very interesting to see what they do against a really, really good team. Uh, like the Avs coming up on Sunday, and the Avs are a team that have had good history against the Sharks in recent memory. So it's it's going to be much more of a challenge, but um, I'm excited for it as well. Uh, more from David Quinn talking about the trade of Nick Chichek for center Jack Studnika, probably indicative of the fact that the Sharks are banged up, especially at that center position, and they are needing some depth. So uh, interesting to watch this trade go down. Also, uh, Nick Chichek. Uh, I always felt that he was a good dude, really good interview. I liked the effort that he put forth with the Sharks when he stepped up last year uh, when the Sharks were dealing with injuries as well. Uh, so this is what uh, head coach David Quinn had to say about that trade. Well, I've known him from afar for a while, obviously with his time in Boston and uh, just a very skilled player. Uh, you know, a guy that uh, certainly was highly thought of as a prospect. Um, you know, 
he's been in two organizations where they've been really forward heavy. So I don't know if he's really got the opportunity that uh, he was looking for or to the fault of nobody. You know, it's just uh, he's still a young player. He's got some good size to him and he's got skills. So we're really excited to have him. And I think that when you look at the players that you have seen Mike Greer brought in, he's been able to find guys that work within the confines or maybe not confines, but within the structure of David Quinn's system and guys who get along. I think the Sharks dressing room is in a very good place. And when you've had an Addison come in, he's been able to get along Bailey Carpenter when they've come up from the Barracuda. Uh, they've gotten along with everybody really well. And I think that, you know, Mike Greer has a very good pulse of what's happening uh, with guys and what's going on around the league. So I'm excited to see him get in. And then also, you know, last night's game, very much defined by the play of Capo And This is what David Quinn had to say about his goalie's performance. Just really solid. I mean, you know, square to the puck, anticipating plays, just really giving us a chance every time he's in there. And, you know, as we've touched on before, he's put a lot of effort into it over the summer, and he came back in a different mindset and just uh, has had a really good year. And Capo weighed in on his night. Uh, felt good, yeah, you know, from the start. Uh, I think they they started off pretty well, uh, you know, but uh, but as the first period went on, we picked it up, and, and I think it was uh, uh, pretty clear, like everything was pretty clear, like there was... I saw all the all the shots. Uh, obviously, it's a, it's an unfortunate bounce on the goal and goes right to their guy. And uh, nothing nothing anybody can do there. But yeah, I felt good uh, overall. So really happy for that. Andy gave his thoughts about the team's improved defense out there on the ice. Yeah, I think I think you know we've uh, we put some emphasis on that in, in practice. Um, at least what I've what I've realized. You know, we've been we've been working on that. So. Um, yeah, it's a huge part of the game. Obviously, that uh, that helps us a lot. And uh, uh, thanks, thanks for uh, for all those guys. Uh, you know, uh, doing the hard job uh, uh, in front of us and blocking shots as well. Capo also weighed in on the penalty kill, four kills on the night. And really, if you give up four power plays on the road and the other team only gets off 24 shots, I think that's pretty indicative of your team doing a pretty good job uh, against that power play overall and just, you know, the team improving um, defensively as a whole, I think, is indicative of what we see on the uh, penalty kill. But Capo gave his thoughts. Yeah, they. I mean, yeah, they're, they're, they have a great power play they move the puck um very well hard passes you know around the around the zone and um but i think we did a, a pretty good job you know kept them kind of on the on the outside and didn't allow much in the from the middle which obviously helps helps my job um you know that i know like if, if there will be shots they, they will be from the outside and i can i have time to um get set so um yeah i think uh, i think it was a good night and uh, and that's where so a missed opportunity for the San Jose Sharks when all is said and done out of this game. But I didn't hate what I saw. It just didn't have the energy level that the Sharks needed to will themselves to win on the road. And now they've got a tough challenge on Sunday tomorrow as they visit the abs. From here, we are going to get into the interview I did yesterday with the hockey guy. Uh, I didn't get to use all of it on the buildup because we went for so long. He's such an easy guy to talk to, but he had some really good thoughts about the Sharks, where they are and where they're headed. Now, you brought up Detroit there. They've cooled a little bit as of late, but they've still been considerably better this year, and I'm not going to be surprised if they end up in the postseason for the first time. And it's been seven seasons, I believe, after their you know 25 years of postseason excellence. Mm -hmm. But Anaheim... You know, they've taken a big step back after they had a, a pretty good start. And I think last year people expected them to take, you know, more of a step and it didn't really happen. And then this year it started out looking like they were. And now they find themselves looking up at the Sharks. What's your read on that situation? The, you know, it's weird. They they had, I think it was a nine and six record. Now they're 10 and 18. 
And just, it was like overnight, they went from playing really good, smart hockey to not. And I, I think part of it may have been too early in the season. They were relying on those third period comebacks, which is fine. And it's fun to have those comebacks, but that's not really sustainable. Teams right. get better at protecting leads. Defenses get better. And I, I think with Anaheim, you have some inexperience in their top six and in their top four defense. And man, once that ball started rolling the other way, like the other night against the Islanders, they should have won that game. But they 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 found a way to lose it and they keep finding a way to fumble it and not just that but they they keep fumbling them within that 60 minutes so they're not even getting points in overtime or shootouts they're just they're finding a way to lose in 60 minutes i think it's a confidence thing with them as much as anything else yeah and i just wonder right now the sharks are having their best stretch in quite some time not just this season but i mean even going back to last year they did not have mm -hmm. consistent wins like this they only mm -hmm. won I believe eight games at home last year, and they've already gotten close to that mark. I think they've got six or seven now at this point at home. You know what? What happens when that ball starts to roll the other way? You know, that's that's the other question I have because, listen, I would love it if the Sharks kept up the winning pace that they're on, and mm -hmm. I think somebody did the math. And they would have to have like a six fifty winning percentage the rest of the way to get somewhere into the position of you know ninety ish points to get into the postseason conversation, but. You know what? After this fight to get themselves back into it, at least uh, to a level of respectabil respectability, what happens when that ball does start to roll the underway? Now that, not that I'm saying I expect it or that it will happen, but there certainly is a good chance because what we're looking at right now, although it's fun, it is aberrant compared to the wider scope of what we've seen from this team. And I'm not saying that's their fault. That's just where they are right now as a franchise. Well, I don't I don't think we'll start seeing them losing like 10 to 1, 10 to 2 again. There have been no, some no. rough losses, even with the the their resurgence. There have been some setbacks. Um, but it seems like David Quinn's good at now at getting them reset where they'll have a really rough night against the Las Vegas or who against whoever, you know, and then the next game they're ready and they're good and they're right back to that work ethic. And even in like a loss against Vegas, the work ethic never went away. It's not like they their their body language changed and they just they gave up. And I think as long as you have that, and I, I think part of what was probably said to them in the locker room after those back-to-back -back games where they allowed 10 was, if the effort's not there, they're going to be gone. And I, I think that um, that that makes a lot of sense because players don't tank. I know GMs will put a roster out there they know gives them a good chance to draft first overall the following year, but the players don't tank. So as, as long as the Sharks players are still bought into the, 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 whatever plans the coaches have, whatever uh, strategies they're employing, they shouldn't go through like a 10 or 20 game stretch where they're really bad again. They may have some rough starts, but they, they should be able to pull themselves out of it with the, the, just the work they've been putting in recently. The last one I have for you is the question of goalies because lately Kapo Kakinen, as well as Mackenzie Blackwood have been pretty good. And numbers yep. aside, if you're in my position and you're watching, you know, every minute of every game, they're not the issue. The The numbers aren't really in line with their performance. There's been some defensive breakdowns around them, especially early on where it was, you know, it was rough. You felt bad for the goalie. So where are you of the, hey, they're good right now, but does this line up with what the Sharks' timeline is? Because goalies, unless it is a Vasilevsky, a Shesterkin, somebody like that, there is very much a feast or famine nature among goalies in the NHL. We see it all the time. Mm -hmm. So... You know, the, the one that we joke about often is what happens when Edmonton comes and says, we want Mackenzie Blackwood. Like, that's the, that's the one that people riff about a lot. Right. 
what do the sharks do then? Well, I I mean, that's the the move that would make some sense would be if they made Edmonton pay a ransom so that they would acquire the Jack Campbell contract and then trade them a goaltender. Um, the Campbell contract's a bit of a bitter pill, but like, I mean, Philly did it with Cal Peterson. They took that contract off the King's hands. And if, if teams are throwing in a top-notch prospect or a first rounder with it, that can be, you know, worth it. The one, the one thing I think for, for Mike Greer to decide is, Who's going to be the number one going forward? Does he have more faith in Kakinen or in Blackwood? I think Blackwood's the better of the two. And I think that if Kakinen's value goes up between now and the deadline, if there's a market, I think moving Kakinen would be a good move and then commit to Blackwood and, you know, find that backup, whether it's from somewhere else, whether it's from within for the rest of the season, Mm -hmm. and then work on finding him a tandem mate for next year. But I would think one or the other probably goes and I think they'll get a good return because there's a lot of teams struggling with goaltending right now. It's it's fascinating to watch. The one thing that I will press on with Blackwood, and he in the offseason took up a lot of yoga and Pilates and other flexibility work because soft tissue uh, injuries had been his issue. How much you know does the recency bias of, well, he's been healthy now versus his previous history play in for other teams? Well, that's that's one thing. One thing you have to keep in mind with Blackwood is the injury history. But at the same time, before he had those injuries in New Jersey, he was a really good, solid goaltending prospect for them. Mm-hmm. He looked like he was going to be a starter. I I was really high on him four years ago. I think it was four years ago. I was really high on him. I thought he was going to be really, really good. And the way he's playing right now is the best he's played since then. So I, I think he has a really high value right now. And I don't know if his injury history would diminish that considering, again, just how many teams around the league would like to have really solid goaltending that aren't getting it on a nightly basis. Shannon, I appreciate your time as always. I know you're busy, so I will let you go, but I promise I'll be bugging you again soon, and uh, we'll talk then, all right? Thank you. All right, we're out of time here on Morning Tide. I will see you all tomorrow as we get ready for the abs. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off. You've been listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light on the Sharks Audio Network.